So today we're continuing with our coverage of the book. That's terrible coverage. Was this news? <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Book Retorts. I'm Sam. I'm Danielle. This is a show where one of us finds a strange piece of media and tries to share it with the other person, whether they want to hear about it or not. <laughs> Today, we're continuing with part three of our discussion of the book Lords of the Sky by Angus Wells. So if you haven't listened to part one and two, probably should do that, or this will make less sense than normal. Will it make more sense if they listen to part one and two? I can't promise that, Danielle. I can't. So, in lieu of a back of the book, as we usually start, Danielle, why don't you try to summarize what happened in part two, The Lonely Road? Oh my gosh, I've been dreading this. <laughs> I think and I I've been looking forward to it a lot. <laughs> I, think I instantly forgot everything that we talked about. This book uh, is kind of forgettable. It's weird. <laughs> See, I couldn't remember the name of it. Couldn't remember anything about it when I tried to find it in the library after after that first time I read it. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It kind of flees the memory, which is weird for a book all about people who remember things. <laughs> it is kind of ironic. So he leaves uh, the main character, starts with the D. What's his name? <laughs> da Please. Davio Davia. Dav you got Dav it. Hey, hey, gold star. <laughs> Woo. Um, from Whitefish Village. He... <laughs> That's the important thing. <laughs> he leaves school. He's trained. Is that how it starts? Their part before that. <laughs> I mean, there's like uh, Ryan the mage leaves on a boat and is sad. Well, I knew that. That's the end of the first one. They like get separated. Yeah, but that's how it starts the second one with her actually on the boat because uh -oh. everything oh, yeah, takes a million years. The first chapter is her point of view. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. I don't actually remember what she talked about in her point of view. She thing. didn't. She was just sad. Okay. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> So that happens, and then he leaves school. Well, his friend Ort gets sent away also. <laughs> oh, Ort. oh, yeah, 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 because they, like, they try to reprimand him or whatever because mm -hmm. he was helping, helping Davio, Davio, <laughs> what? So hard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard for you. No, no. It's the probably the most easy to pronounce name in the entire book. That's quite possible. Um, anyway, so he they try to reprimand Ert um, for helping Daviot because he's supposed to be loyal to the school and instead was kind of more loyal to Daviot. And so he gets fired, I guess, from his position, let go. Sold. Sold. You know, they're slaves. <laughs> yeah. Um, then does he leave school? Yeah. Yeah, pretty okay. much. Okay. So he's kind of upset about that, but then he leaves school. And that's legitimately where my memory ends of this book. <laughs> I know that he goes like two chapters in. He goes on like a lot of walking to different keeps. <laughs> it is a lonely road, Danielle. <laughs> he goes to a bunch of different keeps. Oh, because he's supposed to like find out how all of the different clans, sex, places, keeps feel about keeps, yeah, cities, <laughs> cities feel about um the on, so that they know whether or not they're prepared for the potential upcoming war. And then he tells mm -hmm. a bunch of stories that aren't really detailed. Does he ta does he do any does anything happen besides that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna have to help you, Danielle, because this is painful <laughs> so to watch. 
First, 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 first. Oh, God, I can't remember now either. Oh, you, you poisoned me. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no. I've got it. I've got it. All right. He leaves. He starts wandering around the keeps. He learns that the Skylords are coming for a big invasion and they're sending small boats out. Oh, and he sees a boat. He sees boats at some yes. point. Yeah. Remember yes. that? And they're not actual boats. They're blimps. Right. <laughs> which, which I didn't realize. I missed that somehow. Yeah, it's okay. We cleared it up. That's the important thing. We're all on the same page now. Then he watches one of those small boats land and slaughter a family. Oh, yeah. He watches the family die and doesn't do anything. And we had questionable moral issues about that. Yes, yes. And then he finds... He I'm teams sorry, up. continue. He teams up with some, like, other people. <laughs> yes, he teams up with, with a mage and a surly Jennyman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of, oh, yeah. And then he falls in love with the mage or whatever, at least they, well, they no, have a relationship. They <laughs> yeah. I mean... It's it's very physical. Yeah. And then the Jennyman like tries to kill him or something and then he uh-huh. murders him. Does he kill him? No. He just hurts him a lot. Yeah, he sends him tussled up in, in shame back to the keep. Because somehow he's become a really good fighter. And a leader. Don't and a leader. That. Yeah, he was put in charge of his school friends. And that was so unimportant that we forgot about it. Great. <laughs> just remembered. And then I don't actually remember what happens after that. Am I going to have to summarize the summary I made last time myself? <laughs> And, uh, he, I don't know. I just remember he goes to a lot of keeps and then he ends up on like the southernmost keep where there's like right, perpetual right, 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 right. winter. I remember all that, sort of. Yeah, that's good. All right, I'll get you to that point at least. <laughs> he counters a village where the changed and Truman live side oh, by side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, one gets married to one even. But they don't count because later on no. he meets that person and they're all like, you're Davia? You're famous in our community, but apparently none of the other people are famous. Yeah, he's Ert's friend, as yeah. he's known to the changed. And he starts to suspect a conspiracy among the changed and the on. Because he sees one of the boat people talking to them. Yeah, the boat people. Yeah, talking to <laughs> on, talking to, <laughs> to the changed, right? Yeah, yeah, they meet up at one point. Yes. Alright, so he gets to the southernmost keep. There's a terrible winter. Then... He eventually. Yeah, I you this part. Oh, he like talks to the 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 change that are at the keep. Uh huh. Um, and then he eventually leaves the keep. Yes. I just said I remembered him being at the southernmost tip. I didn't actually remember what happened necessarily after that. And then there's a perpetual summer because the honor changing the weather because they somehow oh the elementals they got like magic elementals we didn't understand how the magic worked but they're still don't yeah they can somehow control the weather. Yep. But apparently not super well, so otherwise everybody would be dead. Yeah, pretty much. So He, uh, on his way out first in the winter, he encounters an empty farmhouse, and everyone in there is probably dead. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he stays at the farmhouse. And He's having all kinds of prophetic dreams. About seahorses. No. <laughs> that wasn't a dream. That was my mistake. He's having, that was a metaphor. For seahorses? <laughs> no, the seahorse was not a dream. That was my mistake. It was a metaphor he thought about. When he was riding his horse, essentially over some, like, a bridge. And he's like, oh, like a seahorse of legend. Uh, that's right. He still had some dreams. <laughs> they had some dreams some, about dragons. Oh, dragons. The dragon dreams. The dragons. Yeah, he had, like, a thousand dragon dreams. Because there will eventually be dragons. There will be dragons. <laughs> eventually. And it's very eventually. <laughs> um. Oh, gosh. All right. That dead family didn't matter. Because none of the dead fa- – it doesn't matter if they're dead families. We've already figured yeah. out that he won't help them anyway. So he goes back to his home village. 
Oh, I thought I imagined that part. I didn't remember that he was went back to <laughs> no, his home village. I thought I'd like confuse that with something from the previous previous plot. It's very easy to do. <laughs> so he goes back to his village. Oh, and he has a brother that he doesn't care about that died. He's like, oh well, my brother died. Yeah, yeah. All <laughs> um, right. And then he's with his family. They're happy to see him. He tells some stories. And then, oh, he eventually leaves, and then he ends up back with uh, the first, very first mage we ever met. The yes. one that told him he should be a Nemonicos. Oh, you got the word and everything. I know. I was so proud of myself. That's really <laughs> impressive. Um, but the other guy, Ian Yurt, had died. Wow, that's two for two, Danielle. <laughs> Doing real well with the names, but terrible with the plot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And he stays with them. For, oh, he finds out that the guy, the main guy, the the guy in charge of stuff, had died. The Lord Protector, yes. Yeah, the Lord Protector. He finds out that he's passed away and given it over to his son or something, right? Yeah, his son is put in charge, but he's too young, so a regent is appointed by the name of Jareth. Oh yeah, the Goblin King. Yeah, I can't Jareth believe I forgot King. that. <laughs> And he, yeah, so Jareth is now in charge, and they think that he has, he's suspicious or something. Yep. And that's pretty much, you summarize those 200 pages <laughs> in about five, ten minutes. Which is, oh, yeah, terribly. Does that make any sense to anybody listening? <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably not. I mean, if they listened to the one last time, probably not. Oh, gosh. But I'll be honest, it covers all the important plot points that actually <laughs> happened. Like, there's nothing important besides, you know, world building and a bunch of slowly doled out conspiracy theories. So, well done. I think it's a win. <laughs> Thanks for your help. I appreciate that. Uh, I mean, I, it's what friends are for you. Know, I can't make you flounder <laughs> all by yourself in this. But you could. I but could. We wouldn't funny. have gotten past him leaving school because no. that was literally all I remembered. <laughs> All right, are we ready then for part three, Destiny's Meaning, Destiny's Weaving? I forgot what it's called. All right, Destiny's Meaning is by far the longest of the four sections. Oh, goodness. Well, the last one is by far the shortest, so we'll be pretty close to done. And it starts again with Ryan on the island with her perspective again. So we're back to Ryan. We're starting part okay. three with her on the Sentinels. She's not particularly happy about her whole station in life. She's tried taking a few lovers, didn't work out because she was sad about missing Davi out, and so she decides to be celibate instead. She's having dreams about dragons and Davi out and being in a misty wood, which is the haunted wood from Camber. And I don't know why there are so many dreams about that haunted wood that has not come up yet. Like they never go back there so far as I can tell. Are they the same dreams that Davia? Yeah, having? so they're like having dreams together. Ooh, magic dreams. Yes, they're very, you know, prophetic magic dreams. We learn that the way the Sentinels defend is they are these crystals in the towers on the island. And these crystals are what are used to focus the mage power. So the mages sort of, a, a small group of them will focus their power into the crystal, and there'll be other mages acting as conduits who will siphon power from all the rest of the mages on the island to supply those who are doing the focusing, and they'll shoot out eldritch blasts at the oncoming sky votes. Magic question. Does oh, the quality of the <laughs> crystals or the quality of the mages 
make any kind of difference. I have no idea, Danielle. <laughs> I don't That's know about the quality of the crystal. kind of curious. <laughs> I think the quality of the mage does because Ryan is regarded as a, as a fairly competent, as, a, as an exceptionally competent mage. And she is sort of given some deference and put on the crystals earlier than most people would be. So she gets there and she's immediately put on the crystals because she's so good at magic. That's because she's with the main character. Right, so she's one of the main characters. Yes, exactly. Equally as decent. You will see that, that it holds true even when new main characters are introduced halfway through the book. Excellent. So she always feels a little soiled after doing this because she feels like it's vampiric to leech magic from her fellows to supply the crystals even though they're volunteering. And there's also something about how the crystals are the source of power. Like they, they learned magic from the crystals they found up in Tartarus and they brought them down with them into Columbeck, the new land they stole. And that's sort of how they got magic was from the crystals. What? They learned magic from the crystals? Did crystals teach them? How like does that Like they discovered work? the crystals and it like awoke the gift. I don't know. Like it's all very much sort of so it's like tied in with their magic. Yes. And if they Kinda. spend too much time with the crystals, they go insane. What about the, the mages that are like hanging out with the crystals on top of the towers on the so islands? It's years long process. So they spend maybe okay. 10 or 15 years on the island before they're sent away. So any longer than that, and they'll start going, you know, mad with power or crazy or, or whatever. That seems weird. <laughs> oh, you've read this book. <laughs> okay. Magic crystals. Magic crystals. And nobody knows about this except for the mages. They keep it secret from everybody that they use crystals because even the Lord Protector, even the leadership, and I don't know why, there's such a big secret. So it's a secret that the crystals yeah, the, make them the, crazy? The secret that crystals exist at all, that they're on the islands. How do they not – do they never go to the – does nobody go to the islands except for the mages? Yes, exactly. There are no servants on the island. There's no one allowed on the islands except mages. And there's no mage that's ever been like, hey, let me tell you a secret. There are crystals on the island. The, the, the Lord Protector has never been like, hey, how do our magic defenses work? Well, we already established that they have like no ability to start wars or fight wars. Or coordinate so, or lead yeah, or anything like so that. So they probably really haven't been to the islands because clearly they don't care about winning. They just want to die. So yeah, apparently. And speaking of things that just want to die – there's been a lull in the attacks, and then suddenly a big fleet of these small sky boats are sent against them. I'm not sure why. Presumably, they, they assume to test their defenses before the last great coming. But I don't know why you would send dozens and dozens of these boats out on a suicide mission. It just seems needlessly wasteful of your resources it's not like you have infinite ships and infinite magic and infinite people to send against your enemy. I mean, maybe they do. I don't know. But it seems like a bad strategy. So at this point, do they know there's going to be one giant onslaught? They assume as much. I mean, they're fairly confident given how they've been tested and how it seems like the siege with the weather is used to soften them up. And there's going to be a great invasion. Okay. But then they get a little mini invasion. Yeah, the little mini one, which they assume is used as a sort of probing of their defenses. One last check to see if they've uncovered any new defenses before their great invasion. It's been like hundreds and hundreds of years of them just fighting every 50 years. Why would they suddenly have new defenses? I don't know, Danielle. The strategy (laughs) for these people is baffling on every level. Why would they even use it on this little mini fleet? Wouldn't they be like, oh, don't use our magic defenses that we haven't told them about. Let's use it next time when they actually fight us. Danielle, that would be smart. That would be smart. (laughs) 
But apparently the honor, like, let's just kill off a few hundred of our, our great warriors and mages and valuable skyboats just on a suicide mission to see if they have any more ways to kill us. How do you think the on felt about that? The ones pioneering the boats, they were probably like, I don't want to go on this mission. What the heck? That's a very good, I would, I would be very <laughs> upset about that. But their culture, as we'll learn later, is a little bit more, I want to say, mm-hmm. honor bound warriors from youth. Yeah, that seems, I'd be curious how that culture came to be, since it's so vastly different from the main culture that they started from. I mean, we don't really, I, I gotta be honest, I don't know what culture they started from. Maybe they took that culture with them. So a small fleet is coming, comes through, they defeat it, they, they blow it up. Ryan is one of the people who blows it up, and she really hates the war. She's like the only person on the island who is like, maybe war is a bad idea. Maybe we could try talking to them or doing something else, anything else than just waiting. Evan sort of scoffs at her, and, and it's like, why are the main characters the only person with any sense? And even their sense is very limited. <laughs> and then they're like, you know, hey, she's. why don't we go and send some ships to the Ons Islands and try to, like, talk to them or figure out what's going on? And the only rejoinder <laughs> is, you know, why? we cannot build such boats. We can only endeavor to destroy theirs. And I'm like, what? You can't build sky boats, sure, but you can build boat boats. Boats exist. You have boats. <laughs> Use the- I don't understand why everyone is so ignorant. It's like there's a magic spell on the land where everyone can't remember that boats exist and can cross water. Why Why is this the time that they've decided they're actually going to go talk to the on and not like 600 years ago? They, I know, but they no. brought it up as a possibility. Because like, apparently they- Ryan and Davio didn't exist 600 years ago or whatever. <laughs> but you think that would have been at some point somebody been like, maybe we should have a peacekeeping mission. Or a spy mission, as you mentioned. Uh, yeah, I know. I think spies are the best idea. I don't know why they haven't thought of that. Their military strategy is very questionable. It's 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 moronic. I mean, it's the worst. They would be fired from any reasonable military outfit almost immediately. It's amazing they haven't died like six hundred years ago. How are they actually survive? Well, mostly because the Skylords couldn't get to them in sufficient numbers due to the world winds. And again, actual boats may not have had that problem. But yeah, regardless, she's sad about killing all the all the. The boats and the people in the boat and feels like maybe war is bad. And this is apparently supposed to be some giant revelation or huge character <laughs> boon that war is bad is something she does and no one else seems to care about. It's weird. It is, I, I agree, but I don't understand how she's the only character. He and she and Davio are the only characters to ever think that in hundreds I of years. Explain it. It's <laughs> just apparently only main characters get to have any kind of thought process. All right, come on, get through this. Chapter one. We got a lot to go. <laughs> All right, so chapter two, we switch to someone else's perspective. Someone who is stranded on a small rock. Just somewhat, not a random person, you mean? This is random? We don't know who they are yet? We don't know who they are yet, although it's pretty clear they were one of the invading Skylords who was blown out of the sky. So one of the on now. Yeah. Yeah, this is exciting. Okay. Except he has no memory because. Of course not. I don't know what your your fantasy cliche bingo card looks like, but it's getting pretty full, I bet. <laughs> Amnesia's on there. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Prophetic dreams, amnesia, <laughs> dragons. <laughs> getting close to full. And he just sort of wanders around that little rock he's stuck on for a while and is very sad and dehydrated. Mostly dehydrated. And he doesn't swim away because there are sharks, apparently. 
Maybe that's why I don't use boats. Maybe they're like crazy sharks that eat the boats. But they have the boats go out to the Sentinels through the shark-infested waters. I mean, the sharks aren't on that side. They are. They get a boat to get him later. It's, it's No, stop, Danielle. <laughs> okay. I was just trying to help. Makes mm, sense. Sure you were. <laughs> so, shark-infested. And then he starts having uh, a conversation with death. I'm guessing it's supposed to be a hallucination. Hopefully. And it's a weird literary device that's never used again. He just sort of talks it up like, I don't think I want to die yet. I'm not afraid of death, but no, I'm not going to die yet. And they're talking to each other and they're sort of exchanging witty banter with death. And that's weird. I think death would be probably pretty funny. I mean, I think his sense of humor is pretty macabre. Yeah, I'd imagine. (laughs) So eventually he's spotted by a fishing boat and the fishing boat goes away and then... Another boat comes with Ryan and the mages, and they go and they take him, and they come on the, the island, and he stares at them. He doesn't understand their language. He doesn't know who he is or who they are, but he thinks, wow, that's a very pretty mage, because, of course. I hope they get together and Davio doesn't actually get the girl. If only, Danielle. <laughs> so there are just, like, boats passing this island all the time? There's a lot of boats. I mean... It's a, it's a fishing boat that came by and saw They so just crashed on just like, it's not like a deserted, never going to be seen island. It was like just a nearby island. It's just a little rock. It's like there's a rocky area in the middle of the ocean and he crashed on like a little rock that's like 10, 10 paces across or whatever. 15 paces across. It's not an island. Now he's with our main rock. characters. Yeah. So they take him back and they nurse him back to health and he's confused because he's chained up and they're all very suspicious. He doesn't understand what they're saying, but Ryan is very kind to him and he's like, oh, she's so pretty and kind. <laughs> Other than having me tied up. And I have to admit, Danielle, my protestations from last time about love triangles may have been fruitless in light of this new situation. Uh-huh. So I think that's a point for you in that, in that regard. Yay, I win! <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, he remembers his name as Tedzel, I think, something like that. That's all he remembers? He remembers his name, but nothing else? Eventually, he remembers his name. After a few weeks of being nursed back to health, or a few days, I forget. The timeline, again, is very screwy. He remembers his name as Tedzel, and suddenly there's a big hubbub, because the herbalist is like, hey, that's the key. Once he knows his name, we can use our magic to unlock the rest of his memory. (laughs) Why? I don't know, but apparently he's... No, I'm sorry. They can't use his name to unlock his memory. They use his name to do magic to put their language in his head. But they can't do that without his name? I don't know, Danielle. But they wait until they remember his name to put their language into his head. The magic in this book is so weird. It's very arbitrary. It just does whatever it needs to do. It's not explained well. Mm -mm. It's just, hey... just dislike the magic. It's like interesting magic. I just don't understand how any of it works. No, it's, it's basically plot magic. Whatever the plot needs, the magic can or cannot do. Okay. <laughs> so name <laughs> magic. So so to that. I am. I wanted to make a little more sense because I think magic in worlds is interesting and I wish that it had more Well, for like, a book that spends hundreds, literally hundreds of pages on world building, the magic is explained very little. Yeah, so, that seems like an odd choice. I agree. We spend a lot of time with the rememberer who has no magic and is not very interesting and no time with the people with the magic. That's a shame. Name name magic. He gets name magic somehow. Get name magic. They use the crystal to give him back his their you know, to give him their language. So now he can talk to them, which would be a pretty convenient way to learn languages, honestly. Yeah, that would be nice. 
And there's a big debate when he wakes up and he still doesn't remember anything about what to do with him. If they just kill him or they should, I don't know, torture him or drain <laughs> his guy. mind. But now he understands that that's what yeah. they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're talking about using the crystal to like just drain his, like do a brain drain on him, but that won't work because he doesn't remember anything. So apparently if you can't remember it, the crystal can't take it out of your head. Okay. Ryan is one of those who say, no, we should not like blame him. He has no memory. He's like a child. He is, his previous sins shouldn't count against him. He has no memory of them. And I'm not sure I buy it necessarily, but okay, it's an argument to be made. And everyone, well, not everyone, but a few people are like, no, that's stupid. And one person's like, didn't you disgrace yourself with Rememberer? I'm like, what? How is that like disgracing yourself? Why is, is that like being thrown at her? Is that like not... Just how is – yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> no, apparently it was very, you know, uh, uncouth or some kind of scandal that she, was, that she hooked up with a story man. I'm like, why? None of that's ever well, explained. They weren't supposed to be together, right? And didn't you mention that at some point? Yeah, I mean, it was like an unspoken thing, but it was never meant out to be a giant taboo in society. It was just like their schools were saying, no, you shouldn't be together because you have your duty and she has her duty. But – now it's like, oh, in their this society. is a scandal. <laughs> yeah, they just can't be with the storytellers. <laughs> yeah, apparently not. So long story short, er, Ryan comes up with a plan. So they're going to send her with the Tedzel, the, the Kohlrabi Knight, to Durbrecht to send him to the Mages College and the Demonicos College because maybe the rememberers can help him remember stuff. But they don't have magic, right? They don't have magic, but they know about memory, apparently. So why not? <laughs> so they can talk him into remembering yeah sure they can teach him how to use the mind palace to remember stuff <laughs> okay that's brave to send one of the knights with just a well, mage is there nobody else gonna that's the them? thing there's some discussion about that and it's like well she's a mage she can take care of herself and he is very loyal to her he seems to be have this sort of honor debt to her unless he remembers all of his memories while they're on their way to the school. But she's like, I am not without my defenses. She's a magic person and they have to go clandestine because he would be killed immediately by people if they found out he was a he was a, a an on. They'd be like, oh, he's our enemy. We should all kill him. So they have to keep it secret. And they have this pretense where she is blind, like really blind. She can't use her magic to see and he is her seeing eye servant. So they're going to travel that way. Yeah, they're going to travel under that pretense to Durbrecht to see if they can fix his memory. Okay. This is by far the most interesting part of the entire story thus far. The plot actually starts in this section. <laughs> this this part of the book is when the plot starts. I feel like if the first half of the book was like shortened to two or three chapters and, and we started here, it'd be a much, much more interesting book. All right, so now we cut back to Daviot, who is traveling from Camber Keep, which was where he was with Andiert and Reckon and the Magic Woods. He doesn't actually go back. And everyone's still suffering because of the extreme heat and the famine and disease, because the Sky Lords are hurling dead animals onto them from the sky to cause disease. They're like, they just have them in their boats? Yeah, they bring them across in the boat. It was actually mentioned in the last section, but I forgot about it until now. How do they not get the disease themselves when they have them in their boats? They like hung them from beneath the boats and they like cut them loose. Oh, that's a choice. Choice somebody made. <laughs> Definitely effective. What an odd, odd thing to think of to do. So everyone's starving and diseased and Davio reaches his keep and people aren't really that excited to see him because, you know, they're all starving. He's like, 
I was surprised. It struck me as strange that the arrival of a story man should elicit so little excitement. I'm like, what are you doing <laughs> to help? You are useless to them. You tell stories. You don't. You can't cause the weather to change to be less awful. You can't make food appear from barren lands. Oh, but they should be really excited to see me because I'm a story man. <laughs> and I hate them. I really do. <laughs> yeah, priorities. Maybe if you brought food, people would like him more. No. <laughs> but tough sell. And he meets the Alder of the Keep. And I had to highlight the sentence because he's done this a few times in the book, the author, where he'll say the same thing like two or three times in the same sentence. Uh-huh. Or he'll say something and define what he just said. So, for instance, he meets the Alder and Davio thinks he was a man at the midpoint of his life. No longer youthful, but not again given up to age. I'm sorry, not yet given up to age. I'm like, yes, not being young and not being old is the midpoint of your life. Thank you for telling us that twice. We've already established that he likes to like draw everything out. But why to say that he was the midpoint of his life, no longer youthful, but not yet given up to age? Okay, you could have said he was at the midpoint of his life and be done. We get that. That's not like a complicated concept that is difficult to understand that requires further explanation of what it means to be at the midpoint of your life. But that's not how he writes, Sam. It is not. And it's very frustrating (laughs) because everything takes like five times longer than it should. Well, the plot's just starting. We already knew that. Anyway, he learns that there's a strange man traveling with a sorcerer at the keep right now who had just come from the sentinels can a you guess who man it is traveling is it is it the people the people yeah, the, it is. <laughs> his past lover and some random guy that i can't remember the name of yeah tenzel 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 there you go. <laughs> and two things happen that are really funny first off davio has no poker face and immediately starts like, what? Is that Ryan? And he jumps up and knocks his chair over and everyone's like, are you okay? Like, sit down. And he's like, oh, he sits down, but he's still unfocused. And he's a little jealous. He's like, who is this man traveling with Ryan? And everyone is immediately suspicious of him. They're like, they literally say, we would think him a Kohlrabi knight. Did he not travel with the mage? So I'm like, great job, people. Great job on your subterfuge. Really fooled them there. supposed to know that it's a Karafi night? They're not. They're supposed to think it's just some servant traveling with Ryan or Ryan. Why would they why would they ever ever think that? Like unless he looks different from the people there. He, or... different. he carries himself like a warrior. He seems weird. So But why would you immediately think Karabi night of all things? Because it's funny, Danielle. I don't know. <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. Like that is not the first thought anybody would have because they've never had a like random karabi night there. Yeah, nope, but there you go. Apparently everyone immediately sees through the entire charade. I don't, I don't buy that. I think that's they shenanigans. Don't I'm calling it. But it. Just, it would be it's, it's it's ludicrous how much work they put into this fake servant gambit and how immediately it fails. Yeah. I mean, I'm not arguing that people would think maybe that the person is not necessarily who they say he is, but mm-hmm. I don't buy that they'd be like, he's an on-warrior. <laughs> yeah, nope, you're right. It's stupid. But this book is all about conveniences. <laughs> anyway, so eventually he sees Ryan in the main hall when she comes for the meal and he's telling stories and they have some very awkward conversations. 
Aww. And she pretends to be aloof because they don't want to give anything away. They're supposed to be over each other. And he gets a little jealous of Tedzel. Tezdel? I forget if it's Tedzel or Tezdel. It doesn't matter. Who cares? <laughs> See, you're not helping me remember the names at all. I'm not. I'm really not. But, Danielle, there are so many. <laughs> I don't think he gets to be jealous. I mean, he had another relationship in the interim. I know. and he's, But, you know, he's irrational. And this one, my, he... He's not feeling very up. He tells some stories and he's not feeling very into it. And he says, I did not give of my best, but still I was applauded. So <laughs> at least his not best is really good, which is important for us to know. Yes. We already knew that he's perfect just as he is. And then he goes out at one point to fence with the Jennymen to train with the, the warriors, the war band, because he wants to blow off some steam. He's fighting with the main guy in charge. And eventually he says, I was awash with sweat and had, and had not few bruises, though not so many as the Jennymen who complimented me on my sword work. Because <laughs> everyone just has to tell him how amazing he is at everything he does, including he the warrior who has to tell him how much of a better warrior he is than the trained warrior. <laughs> He's perfect. What a good character. Yeah, the best. So eventually they, he goes to Ryan's room at night and they reconnect and they when they're alone, they re uh, reprofess their love for each other, and they sleep together. And it has one of the grossest lines in the book, I think, where they're lying post-coitus, and he says, or he he says in the book, "I lick sweet, salty sweat from the gentle mound of her belly as she sighed and tangled fingers in my hair." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like who just lies there after you you're done making love and just licks the person's stomach. I'm sure somebody has. I'm sure somebody has. It's still <laughs> weird and gross. I mean, not to kink shame. That's what you're into. You know, by all means, have at it. But what a weird thing to say in this book. It's almost as weird as the Asimov book. I mean, at least that book had aliens doing it so we could excuse their <laughs> weirdness. So he promises to leave Ryan and to go while she goes off to Durbrecht and he'll stay behind because... They have to part again. They're very sad about that, but her duty comes first and his duty comes first. They will never actually get together, right? Because they both travel like all the time for their jobs. Yes, exactly. So she says she has to leave tomorrow and Davia's like, well, I'll be very sad to see you go. And then later that the next day, before she has to leave, in the middle of the night, he, just before her boat leaves, he escapes out this castle and leaves and goes to sneak onto the boat as a stowaway that they're taking up to Durbrecht. He's going with them? Well, he's he's going to. He's going to sneak onto the boat they're leaving on, that, that Ryan and Tezdal are leaving on. Why? So that he doesn't have to leave her. But he has a job and a it's, life. It's very stupid, Daniel. I agree. <laughs> I also learned that here on the page 470 that he could he can't read. And neither could most people in Dar. So apparently no one can read in this place. It's not a thing. That's why they don't have books. That's why they don't have books. Apparently no one can read. And no. it's good to learn that 400 some pages into the book. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's really far in there. That would have uh, been nice to have known when he became a mnemonicos. <laughs> right. Like, why do you remember all this stuff? Well, because no one can read. Or why don't they just teach more people to read? Sometimes it was reserved for like upper class people. It is. The nobles, a few sorcerers, something like that. Yeah, but you think the mnemonicos would, like, know how to read. It'd be easier to teach them. 
you would think like if their whole job is like being the history keepers, they could have history keepers as part of their thing, as part of their reader people, the reading class. Yeah. You think anybody in a university setting would have learned how to read? Exactly. Anyway, he sneaks onto the boat and he's stowed away until the boat talks to see it. Then he pops up and is like, surprise, I'm on the boat. <laughs> this is the best part. It's great. And Ryan's like, what the heck are you doing here? I told you not to come. And he's like, I couldn't leave you. And she's like, well, that's not going to work because we can't be together. And he says, why not? Why can't I just follow you? He's like, we have a job to do. You have to be a storyman. He's like, well, I'll give up being a storyman to be your stay-at-home husband or whatever. God, he's such an odd character. And then Ryan says, no, you can't give up being a storyman. Durbrecht will not allow it. And I'm like, what? Why are the storymen so important? And it gets crazier because apparently she tells him if he quits being a storyman, the college will take him to the mages, and the mages will use a crystal to drain all the information he learned from the college out of his head. What? Why? That's a great question, Danielle. Why? It seems just like <laughs> What does spite. it matter? It's so spiteful. Like, oh, you don't want to be a storyman anymore? Well, all those memories we gave you, we're just going to take them back. What about when they retire? Do they do the same thing? I don't know. Also- That has- why are storymen so, so important? Why are the storymen so important that they have an edict where you want to become a storyman, you are bound by blood. Like It's like entering a gang and you can't ever well, leave. How do the storymen not know that? Doesn't that seem like something that should be when right. they take their storymen? Why does she oh. know that and not him? Like when they take their vows or whatever, she's like, you can never quit or we'll drain your head. That's something you should tell them. Yeah, that's weird. It's absolutely insane. And she's like, so you can't quit. You can't stop being a storyman because there are need of storymen. And I'm like, is there? Is there need of storymen? <laughs> what have they done to help? He's the only one we've actually met besides the people in the school who have disappeared and are no longer important. And what has he done that's helpful? And one of them died. <laughs> oh, yes. Or have died. That's so strange. And... She says, when we put in at the next keep, I'll have the, the captain pull in and we'll leave you there. And hopefully they'll go easy on you because your, your, di your digression from duty was just a short thing since we got you the next keep right as fast as we could. You think that they'd make up some story as to why he was on there? That's his entire job. No, no story. They just say, well, Being better just go lying. back and pretend, you know, beg for mercy or whatever. And at that point in the night... There is a mutiny. On board the the bounty? Not the HMS bounty. No, a mutiny on the boat? HMS bounty. Yeah, mutiny on the boat, Danielle, where the changed oarsmen who are manning everything, right? All the changed who are on the boat except for the captain and Ryan and Tezdol or Tedzel, whatever his name is, I swear, uh, <laughs> and uh, Daviot. And they are mutinied against them. The changed oarsmen they throw the captain overboard they say to davio you know no harm will come to you we know you're a friend of ert because they see the band the little friendship bracelet that was given to him at the uh -huh. one southern key the heroin yes and they said no don't resist no harm will come to any of you and they put a, a necklace around ryan which stifles her power so it suppresses all her magical ability and she's truly blind why do you why? 
why do they mutiny on the boat? Is it specifically because of who is on the boat? Or yes. do they just randomly so decide that is to mutiny? The summation is they think Rodavio jumps to some pretty amazing conclusions. <laughs> That's because he's amazing. Yeah, where he suspects the reason they mutinied was they wanted to take Ryan captive because they wanted a mage and and spirit them off to Ur Darbeck, the land of the changed, to interrogate or somehow use them for information gathering purposes. Like they want to learn more about the magic that they possess, so they're going to capture a mage. Are they sure that they don't want to just steal back the Onwire? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know about that. Maybe. Maybe that too. But that's not mentioned. And so the necklace is put on Ryan. She's blind again, and there's a crystal on the necklace. <gasps> Suddenly, crystals are very important to this book. Apparently. Who knew? And that's what's suppressing her magic. Oh, and it's Tezdal. T-E-Z-D-A-L. Nailed it. Tezdal. I did. I, I totally forgot. But <laughs> like You did not nail it. I did not. I did not. <laughs> And so the ch uh, the changed can find them to a cabin in the boat, and they sit there for literally weeks as the boat moves up the shore. And I'm going to skip a lot of this because it's just them in the cabin saying, well, we continued sailing north. <laughs> Are they going to the dragons? Not yet. Are they going to the utopia? Yes. Yes, they are. I'm so excited. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yay. It's good. <laughs> But before they get there, first Daviot and them all talk in the cabin about how the change are mistreated and how the war is unjust. And they have a big old powwow where everyone comes around to his way of thinking about things. It's convenient when you're taken over by them. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, well, can you really blame them? We don't treat them very well. I don't blame that they are upset about that or have some legitimate grievance. He's done absolutely – I know you mentioned this last time, but to be fair, to like bring it up again, he – has done absolutely nothing for them other than be friends with that one change. Yeah, exactly right. And somehow he is super important to them. Seems like he hasn't dumb. defended one, you know, physically. Like, well, he hasn't like freed a slave or said don't beat that one or don't do anything. He hasn't actually done anything where he put himself in danger for one. He hasn't rescued one. He's done nothing but be kind and talk to the servant he had while still having the servant. Yeah, has he talked to him since that guy left? No, they've had no like, way remained to in contact. Nope, not at all. And apparently that just it's enough to make him special. All right, so they go north. They eventually leave the blighted lands of the Dar. So they they go out far enough as they approach the northern continent of what's it called? I have to look at the freaking map again. Ur Darbeck. That's right. <laughs> Don't look at the map. It'll make you mad. I'm already mad, Danielle. I can't help it. <laughs> they go to Erdarbeck, and as they are approaching Erdarbeck, the weather changes, and it's no longer made super hot by magic. Like, oh, I guess the magic of the the aunt isn't turned against the changed because they're friends. <laughs> and they're like, why would it be? Yeah, go That's figure. not a surprise. They are constantly surprised in the next section here by things that seem obvious that even they should know. So they get off and they're in, a, in the land of the change and it's very nice and very peaceful and everyone treats them friendly enough even if they give them some you know, space because they're true men. No one is, is hostile or mean to them. And he learns that there's a council and a governing body in their capital city, which is called Trebizar, or as I like to pronounce it, Trebizar, <laughs> because that amuses me. <laughs> 
And David's like, a council? I don't understand. How does a council work? Like, we don't have a king. We just have a council. We don't have alders or, or rulers or kings or whatever. We just have a council made up that is our governing bodies. Like, this is a, a mind-blowing concept to me. The idea of a council is beyond my comprehension. <laughs> and he's blown away by the fact that there is a council. I bet they'd be better at fighting the on if they were. Probably. He also notices there are no walls around any of the cities and no keeps. He's like, what? Aren't you guys afraid of, like, attacks? That's because his escort says to him that, oh, we don't need those. No one here does crime. And no one would think about hurting another person. I mean, there are disagreements, but those are settled between people without the need for fights. And they eventually get a hook up with a caravan. And the caravan's like, oh, what do you mean? We don't have no swords. Who would, who would attack us? And it's all very utopia. Where everyone gets along and there's no fighting. I don't know if I buy that, but I agree that probably nobody from the outside, since they don't really know that they're there, are going to attack them. Uh, and the way he explains it, the escort is basically like, well, we all have a common enemy, you guys. And when we were left behind, <laughs> we had to rely on each other to survive. And when new people come across, they're slaves. They were slaves. And so they need our help to survive. And so everyone sort of helps each other. So there's no need for any animosity. Which is, in theory, sounds like it would work. I'm not entirely sure that that would work in reality. Uh, yeah, but apparently, it has to be utopia, Danielle. It has to be. I, I believe that. I'm willing to go along with the idea that it's a utopia. But Daviot keeps on like needling this guy. He's like, oh, you're so much better. But you take prisoners. How can you, be, you you take us captive? You're like, what are you what are you whining about, Dad? You know, you're like, how dare you be enlightened but still take prisoners? You realize that you hold them all as slaves, and <laughs> that you just took a prisoner in Tesdal who you're going to go take him to the college to try to unlock his memory. Everything your people and you do is awful, and you're surprised that these guys have taken prisoners, and you <laughs> you condemn them for that. He has like this huge about face. On the chain from being, well, maybe they have some legitimate grievances to, yeah, but that's not enough to, to let them take prisoners or to excuse any such behavior like that. I think it kind of does, though. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely does. And he's like, well, you took Tesdil as a uh, prisoner. And David's like, well, yeah, Tesdil was a Skylord, our enemy. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Okay, but you're our enemy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> This is all just a really difficult situation for Davio to be in where he finds himself no longer in a place of power. You know, he's no longer in the top of the society and suddenly he's like, wait a minute, I don't want to be treated badly because I'm no longer, you know, at the top of the racial caste system. I don't have privilege anymore. This is really hard, you guys. <laughs> it's exactly that. It's exactly that. And I hate him. I absolutely hate him in this part. He's the worst. <laughs> well, it's the first time it's ever happened to him. I mean, he has to... He has to figure it out. It's a good coming of age. Uh, yeah, but he's like 20, all right? <laughs> well, he's a little slow on the uptake. We've already established that. And Ryan becomes very zealotous here. She's like, I will not betray Darbeck. Okay, I don't know where her zealotry comes from. We'll get back to that. Yeah, she didn't even agree with the war and stuff like two minutes ago. I know. <laughs> and they continue to have weird dreams about dragons on their way up north to the city of Trebizar, where they're going to talk to the council. And he's still known as Earth's friend. Like, they recognize him as Earth's friend, even in this land. Like, the changed team meet here say, oh, yeah, you're Earth's friend. I've heard of you. That's wildly impressive. <laughs> I'm still thinking, okay, maybe the slave people heard about a guy being nice to the slaves. But why would all the people who are free have the same, like, reverence for the one guy who wasn't a total jerk to their friend? 
And as you established, not to any of the people who, like, married the changed or lived with them on the daily. Or actually freed them or did things to help them. And it's really nonsense. And so eventually they get to Trey Bazaar, which is a city in a valley on a lake. And apparently it has been shaped by magic. So great magic was used to shape this. And there are crystals all throughout the valley. And it's a very magic place. And this is probably where the change learned to do magic. So the change know how to do magic too. Lots of magic. Yeah. So this is what they're concluding. All the change now know magic and they want to use Ryan to learn more about the magic of their enemies. Do any of the changed in the city in Darbeck know how to do magic? No, no. I think it's only those across in the Freelands. Okay. Unless they've sent some down as agents on the boats of the Skylords. Okay. Because you can't cross back. There are these border cities that guard the river, prevent anything from coming across it from Urdarbeck, where there are dragons, to Dragonneck, where there are no dragons. So there's border cities on the way back, but not on the way there? Yeah, they don't really care if people leave. They just care if they try to come back. <laughs> okay, sure. They get to the city, and they're brought before the council, which is called, like, the Wraith or something. That seems like a very dramatic name. It's R-A-E-T-H. R-A-E-T-H. Okay. So not wraith as in specter, but wraith as in a made-up word. <laughs> as in a made-up word. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and they're back for the council, and Ert is one of the council members. Ooh, yay, Ert. I'm glad he made it up there. And so some of the council members have gold circlets on their heads, which signify that they are, they are those with the gift. Ert is not one of them. So when he got kicked out, did he just like... Travel north? No, so they sold him to one of the border cities, and he escaped from there across the oh, river. He's got a whole story. Good job, Ert. I know. And we never hear any about it, because apparently he's not as interesting as watching Davio travel around to keep to keep telling stories we don't actually hear for 400 pages. Which is a shame, because I feel like that story would have actually been really interesting, and they should have. he should have gone into his yes, point of view for a chapter a, like, or two. <laughs> slave on his quest for freedom? That's a really interesting story. Yeah. Not... Davio being like, oh, I'm feeling sad about maybe telling people about things I've seen. Yeah, I think so far, Ruayan and Ur are the two most interesting characters. Davio is by far the least interesting part of this book, and he is the part we spend the most time with. <laughs> Poor Davio. We give him a lot of crap. I feel kind of bad for him. <laughs> I don't. He's a jerk. I mean, I, I don't think I could tolerate him in real life. He's like a smug, arrogant. He's like a, a freshman philosophy major, <laughs> you know, talking about all these grand ideas like he's the first person to ever think about them. And what's more annoying is apparently is, in this world he, he is, is which is why is. it's so much worse. It's like, don't justify his self-importance. But imagine if you had the mind of a, of a freshman philosophy major and then you really were the first person to ever think of you these things. You would be Sufferable. You would be the worst. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's great. <laughs> I'm going to think of him like that in my head from now on. Yeah, it really became true to me because he's talking all stuff like, well, maybe this or maybe that. And they're having all these very banal philosophical discussions about morality, which are super obvious about, hey, slaves bad, war bad. Maybe other side has a perspective that they're on the right and we're on the wrong. Do you ever think of that? I'm like, yes. Literally everybody ever has thought of that. Well, not in this world, though. You're the first one. Apparently, and I hate them. <laughs> so, Ert. Ert is free. Yay! Ert is free. He's free on, Ert. He's on the <laughs> free Ert. He's on the council, and there is a debate among the council members with them standing there about what to do with Ryan if she'll cooperate. 
then everyone will be fine. Like, just tell us what you want to know, and you'll be you won't be harmed. They're not gonna torture them or be uncivilized. And Ryan's like, no, you will never betray Darbeck. I will never give up the secrets of my people. I'm like, where is all this coming from? <laughs> Suddenly she's like, I will die first before you have these secrets from me. And it's literally insane. Why is she suddenly so like, no, I'm not going to talk to you. You have to kill me, you you scum. Yeah, that doesn't seem to follow her very limited character that we have so far. She has a very strong sense of duty that she would leave Davio to go be a mage, but... That she's so patriotic. She knows they're fighting a war that sucks. She knows it's largely unjust given what she's learned about the history of the on being kicked off and this way they treat the change. And yet she's like, no, I will die on this hill. <laughs> Gotta pick one to die on. So there's a debate of what to do with them. There's one side who says, just kill them or take the stuff, you know, drain her memory like they're going to do to Tezdal. And Ert's like, no, don't do that. We're not like them. We're better than them. And his is a smaller fraction. And there's one person on the council who is very much hates them and seems to be gunning for them. And I don't remember her name. I'll look it up if I can. She's the new antagonist. <laughs> She's like, no, don't even bother giving them time to figure out. She's already said she won't tell us. Let's just get done with it. And it's like, oh, give them some time. I gave up real quick. <laughs> and finally they say, you know, Ryan, if we demonstrate our power to you and you acknowledge that we have the power to drain your mind, will you at least consider cooperating? And she's like, okay, prove to me you have the power first. And say, okay, we will by restoring Tezdal's memory, something that you could not do with all your magic. And she's like, okay, we'll see that happen. And so they put him away for a little while into a room, into a cell to wait while they prepare Tezdal to have his memory restored as a demonstration of their power. They're kept in various different cells along the journey here, and they're constantly having sex. They're together? They're in cells together? Yeah, they constantly you know, keep them in, like, you know, whenever they were traveling on the road, when they stopped at an inn, they would keep them in a room together, and they would have sex in that room, and then they would come to the city, and they put them in a cell here, and they have sex in that cell, and it all seems like it's not the time, guys. It's not the time. Gratuitous <laughs> sex shots. It, 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 I swear, it's like they're... they're teenagers like a teenager's concept of what couples do every time they have a moment alone together they have to have sex i mean they are kind of teenagers also why are they putting them in the same cells like isn't that how prisoners escape when they can plan together you would think but again no one in this book is very smart about tactics so that doesn't occur to them which spoiler alert kind of happens <laughs> all right so they're put in a cell they're waiting on the demonstration of Tezdil being restored his memory. And while they're talking, Daviot mentions, you know, just to sort of calm Ryan down, that there seems to be a pattern where they all have the same dreams. And if he had not met Ert, they would not have been able to facilitate their affair. And if that hadn't happened, the Ert wouldn't have gotten sent away. If that hadn't happened, the Ert wouldn't have escaped to the... I'm like, what? Wait a minute. That's not a pattern. No, that's how life works. That's how life works. It's just like, that's how <laughs> things happen. One thing precedes another. That's like linear time. You're just describing linear <laughs> causality here. And somehow it's supposed to be a giant pattern of prophecy. And I hate it. It's freshman philosophy majors again. I mean, I agree that it's weird that they're having the same dreams, but you think they would have had that realization like several weeks ago or however long. They had that, but they're still talking about it. It doesn't make any sense. Again, back to the bingo card, everything has to be a prophecy. Everything is destiny. Yes, that's fantasy. Which makes it so much more boring. 
if everything's predetermined and predestined, then nothing matters. It's such a much less interesting way than having people make the best out of the situations they find themselves in. What do you think would happen if they just like sat there and did nothing? Do you think the prophecies would still come true? That's a great question. And I'll tell you what, in this chapter, we find out <laughs> because they do a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> Ryan is very taken with this notion of the pattern, the pattern, she calls. It. And she becomes sort of like a zealot of the patterns, like just trust in it. We, I have hope because there's a pattern here. And so therefore we should be fine. We're having these weird dreams, which means we'll be fine. So even though things look bleak, I'm not worried. Until you die. And then the prophecy Until doesn't get die. completed. <laughs> it just very much how her character suddenly is like, oh, she hears about this, how you about this pattern. Suddenly she's all in on the, on the predestined pattern well previously she was all in on denying the change their information and previous to that she was all in on declining participation in the war so yeah no her character is very much like a serial monogamist of philosophical <laughs> ideas <laughs> i use that expression that's good thank you <laughs> all right they are going to take them to the chamber to witness Tezdil have his memory stored. And before they do that, Ryan tells Daviot, if they succeed and we come to the point where I have to make a choice and I have to deny them, you need to kill me before they have a chance to drain my memory. I want to be either dead rather than be a vegetable. Reluctantly, Daviot agrees to kill her before they have a chance to drain her memory. Do you really think he'd do that? No, because <laughs> he's not very strong. They take him to the room, and this is a room that's filled with crystals, and Tezdil is lying on a bed, and a bunch of the, the magic changed are there, and Ryan sort of huddles close to Daviot because she feels this strong magic, and Daviot thinks, in other circumstances, I'd have found that contact erotic. And I'm like, dude, you are so horned up, you can't even have like a moment where you're not thinking about sex when you're... When your girlfriend is terrified about having her mind drained while you're watching a big magic ritual. Not the time, Davio. Not the time. Not the freaking time. <laughs> anyway, so they perform a magic ritual. Tezdil is unconscious. And they're like, okay, we saw our magic. Do you agree to help us or have your mind drained? It's like, well, let's wait till he wakes up and see what he says. They're really proven. Like, okay, fine. I mean, that's fair. I would wait till he woke up too. Yeah, like, okay, fine. But their their antagonist friend Alanin, A L L A N Y N, Alanin, 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 Alanin. I don't know something <laughs> like that. Okay, Alanin is very upset about letting them have time, but the other council members convince her to to give them the time they need. Eventually, Ert comes to visit them, and Daviot's unsure if he's still their friend or not, and they go for a walk out in the garden. He's like, I've been told to try to convince you to join them, but I know you probably won't, and I'm going to try to help you as best I can late tonight. And then Ryan asks, have you been having dreams or dreams about dragons? Or it's like, yes, I have. I don't like it because dragons are scary. <laughs> so apparently Ert, in addition to Tezdil, Ryan, and Daviot are among the chosen people of this book. Tezdil also is having dreams? Yes, I'm sorry. That, he started having dreams when they were coming across the land. Oh. Well, I mean, he was mentioned in the, the book page that I had to read, so... I, yeah. I figured he'd be participatory. They tell Ert and Ert's scared. Ert apparently is afraid of dragons because his people have an ancestral fear because they were left behind as dragon food. So apparently it's in his blood to be afraid of dragons. Does that make sense? Yes. I can't believe it took this long for these characters to all get together. Yeah. Yeah. We are something like 
75% of the way through the book, and we just have finally have all the main characters main character. Yeah, we have finally have like the the back of the book, all those people together. <laughs> yeah. This book is meandering to the extreme. So later that night, Ert comes to their chamber and I don't know why he's given so much leeway. Like, why isn't he being watched or something? But apparently he just has the freedom to go to their chamber and talk to the prisoners without much eyebrows being raised. Well, they're peaceful people. They're not very suspicious. <laughs> apparently, they're all enlightened. He brings with him a crystal, and he says, this is a, a magic memory crystal. And this is how we've been getting messages to the other changed across the river. We send these crystals down, and that they can use them to regain memories to see the memories of our people. So it's like their mnemonicos are these crystals which absorb the memories of the people around mm. them, which is much more efficient than training people who may or may not want to be storymen to do it. <laughs> so that's plus one for the changed. I'm sure not their only plus. Probably. <laughs> and eventually they talk for a little bit and Ryan mentions the pattern because they're all having dreams. It's like, okay, that's cool. I'm going to go now and leaves him with the crystal and the crystal gives them the memory of the change after they were first created and left behind by the Dar as they fled across the river to Dragon Neck, where there are no dragons, and left the, the change behind an Ur-Darbeck where there are dragons to be dragon food and how angry and bitter and scared they were and how they uncovered the crystals and learned of the power and how that sort of gave them hope and they could use the power to beat back the dragons and make themselves safe. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, if the change could find the crystals and use it to hide themselves from the dragon to be safe. Why didn't the mages of the Dar, who found the crystals way before them, do that? Yeah, that seems not smart. It's not <laughs> smart. The Dar were just like fled while the 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 change were like, hey, wait, we have magic. We can actually do something to defend ourselves. Arguably, we've already established that they're not very good at defense. And they're not very good at tactics. So clearly that also carries over into dragon defense. Everything they do is ridiculous and short-sighted and stupid. I just got to put it out there. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. This whole book is like giant contrivance to make the main characters important. And I get that. M many books are that. But this is the most naked version of that I've ever seen. <laughs> At least you know what it is. It's not pretending to be anything else. And I do have a lot of fun reading it because it gets you get really weird gems like seahorses <laughs> and stuff in there, which is a lot of fun. So they access the crystal, they get all the memories, the history of the change and how they build society and how they first encountered the Sky Lords when a boat got blown north and landed and they started making allies. And there was this notion among some of the change, the some of the leaders to to ally with the Sky Lords and incite an uprising against the Dar and free all their brethren and establish a new land where the An only want one of the continents back, just want the smallest continent, Kalambek, back because that's their ancestral home and will give the rest over to the changed to have and rule as their own. And apparently Alanin is all on board for this and all her hate and anger is in the crystal and uh, Ryan as a mage can sort of unlock that the crystal holds more than just memories it also holds like the emotional state the mental state of those who have imprinted on it and she realizes that one Alanin is not just bent on defeating the Dar but also has set herself up as the single ruler of the changed the new changed empire so she's got a big old power grab in her future which she doesn't deny so literally, when Ert and they are walking out in the garden just before all this happened, Alanin comes up and is like, hey, what are you doing? I know you're just biding their time. I'm keeping my eye on you. And Ert's like, be careful what you say. You don't speak for all of us. You don't rule all of us. She's like, 
not yet. And then walks away. So it's like, she's not even, this is not a big revelation. It's obvious what she's doing, but apparently Ryan is gobsmacked that Alanon would want to seize power. So does Urk give them this crystal so that they know all this information? Is he hoping to like change their minds or just so that they have? I don't know. I think he might be hoping to make them more sympathetic to them or at least give them some context. He doesn't have the gifts. We so can't actually use the crystals or doesn't access them. He does, I don't know. He doesn't know what's in the crystals. He just gives it to them saying, hey, I hope this is useful to you. And then, and then why is Alan, 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 whatever. Why is she on the council when like everybody knows that she's kind of power hungry? Well, she she represents a very large faction, which is most of the people who are the gifted, the magic using change, all kind of want the same thing. They want the war. They want bloodshed. Ert of the fact that it wants to try to find a peaceful resolution that doesn't want to start a war with the the Truman, the Dar. Okay. But so you basically she, have the the hawkish ones and, and the peace ones. She still seems like maybe she's not the best choice as a leader. <laughs> you would think so. But apparently she's charismatic. I don't know. What Ryan also learns from the crystal is that she's she's insane. She's literally mad. Like all the magic users are going insane because the crystals make them insane. Oh yeah, that's right. It's a thing. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> yeah, it does. Apparently, they had to make sure we knew that from earlier so we could bring it back here. Chekhov's crystal. So she's crazy cakes. They're all crazy cakes. All the magic users get crazy cakes. And Ryan's like, well, I don't know if it's because they, the power of the crystals makes them crazy or because all the hatred that gets into the crystals is fed back on them. And so it makes them crazed. But either way, they're crazy. That's unfortunate. And Ert's like, what are you going to do? And she's like, just wait. Wait for the pattern, trust the pattern, have more dreams. We'll figure it out if we dream well, enough. they don't know that, though, the change. Like, the mages they know don't. that. How do they not know that? Know what? That they, crystals turn them crazy. They don't know that. They just don't. They, apparently, they don't know that. They've never noticed that the, like, the magic users go crazy? Apparently not. How did the mages figure it out and the changed can't? Danielle, Danielle, can, magic plot conveniences. I can't explain this. That seems not right. <laughs> it's not. It doesn't make any sense. And the change have more power now than like the mages of the Dar. Their power is sort of like stagnated because the on have surpassed them in power down a different path, and the change have have surpassed them in power down a different path. And yet they're the ones who know the most about the crystals. Mm-hmm. So I don't, it doesn't make sense. That the Dar would know the most about the crystals when they're they seem to have the most sort of stagnant magic society. Yeah, that's odd. So they're all crazy, and apparently Alanin, it was her agent who poisoned the Lord Protector, which is not a surprise to anyone but the characters in this book. So the changed are behind the death of the Lord Protector. Well, Alanin is, her agent specifically, like she sent them to kill the Lord Protector to help sow dissent and chaos before the big invasion, which is the first bit of actual like competent tactics anyone's ever used in this book. <laughs> it's not even from the on, it's from the changed. Eventually, Tesdal wakes up, and they meet him, and he's dressed in a robe. I forgot he existed again. Because <laughs> for a long time in this book, he didn't. Oh, gosh. Uh, he's in a robe. He remembers everything, and he's troubled, because now he feels his loyalties are divided, because he swore a vow to defend Ryan. He has, like, a Wookiee life debt to her, defend her. <laughs> and... There's this big debate between, well, can you really count your vow when you had no memory as real because you weren't yourself? And doesn't your vow to your people take precedence over your vow to help Ryan? like, I don't know. I'll need some time to think about it. And so they stall. And Alanon is very ticked off about that. But whatever. 
They're all very formal. And eventually, Tesla comes to their chamber later that day or a different day. I don't know. I can't keep any of this straight in terms of what thing happens on which day. And I have a long conversation where they learn all about his backstory, that he was raised from a very young age to be a warrior. He's a nobleman, uh, a, a young noble of the on, and he's raised to be a warrior. It's a very sort of samurai culture thing going on. They should have followed him for a while. That would have been interesting, too. Literally everybody else in this book is more interesting. Like all the stuff he just alludes to is very interesting. All the stuff he spend pages and pages on is boring. No, it's great. Like his story is really interesting. So, you know, he was, you know, born on the seventh day of the seventh month, which is very auspicious. For some reason, I forget one of the gods holds that day a secret. And at six, he's given over to a training dojo, essentially to be trained as a warrior up until his 16th birthday for 10 years, and he's proven himself to be the best warrior. He's like the best of the best. So, of course, because all the main characters are the best. They sent him on a suicide mission, and he's the best of the best. I was about to say that. (laughs) Why did he go on that suicide probing mission if he was one of their best? Why did they? What does that doesn't make any sense? (laughs) Why would they do that? Why Why would they send their best warriors on the suicide testing mission instead of the actual invasion? None of this war stuff makes sense. (laughs) Everyone in this book is a moron. I would defeat them with a Nerf gun. I wish some other culture would come in and just wipe them all out and do do do-overs. Okay, digression time, because back to the map. Uh... It's a very, it looks like a very small map. Like this, if this is the entire world, it's a tiny world. It's Daviat's world. <laughs> Why are the rest of the islands, like, there are no other cultures? It's like if only Korea and Japan existed and they were fighting for centuries and no one else noticed them. There's no other countries, there's no other people even mentioned, no like traders from far off lands. There exists no other people but these people in this world, and they're all idiots. Well, maybe the boats can only go so far, so it really doesn't matter what's outside of this world because nobody can make it any farther than that. They have magic flying blimps, Danielle. They can go wherever they want. It maybe. I sense. mean, they could barely get to the islands. <laughs> okay. Uh, we also learned the history of the On while Tezel is telling about his pre-suicide mission training and how they were driven out and they had a great leader who took them on regular freaking boats to the islands that they now live on. So regular boats do exist and can get them across the water, but they just choose to eschew them because they're not cool enough. That's literally why they're not using boats? Literally, they're not using boats because it's never explained why. They just don't. They use boats to get away from the, the, the dar, but won't use boats to come back and fight them. They have to use sky boats and sky boats only. That <laughs> that should be the name of this book. Skyboats Sky only. Skyboats only. <laughs> anyway, while they land on the islands of Volcanic Island, and eventually they learn to use magics that defy the storms, the typhoons, to calm the waves, and to soothe the volcanoes. So they learn how to do all these kind of great magics, but apparently using a boat to go back and attack your enemies is not in the cards. Maybe it's because they're crazy with the crystals, so they <laughs> They don't can't. have crystals. They don't have crystals. <laughs> then I don't know. I don't know. The on don't have crystals. I don't know if they have crystals. They never mentioned like, how they yeah, have crystals. Wait a second. You don't know that. I don't know that for sure, but it seems unlikely. They have mages. Do they have mages? They have wizards. They're called wizards. wizards. <laughs> okay. Apparently very different. Wizards and mages. The yeah, Karabi wizards. I'm sure there is. And some listener is going to write in and tell us exactly the difference between a mage and a wizard. Yes. I, I, I'm sure someone can write in, write in and tell me in the world of Davio, Davio's world, what's the difference between a wizard and a mage? 
I would love to hear that essay. <laughs> Careful what you ask for. So he's talking about the story and how eventually he grows up and he's a great warrior. He graduates from warrior school by killing a horse and then riding another horse away. <laughs> it's like a ceremony. It's literally a ceremony okay, where they bring him like, a horse. Wait, what? <laughs> Alright, I'm, I'm trying to make this go quicker because there's so much to say. But you gotta to preface through, but... like the subject that oh, it's a ceremony and he has to kill a horse. Not he kills a horse. Alright, there's a ceremony for graduation. His family comes. They bring him a horse to kill, and he chops his head off in one stroke. That's which... so sad. Crazy. And he rides an identical horse away. It's like a demonstration of their of their wealth to go party with his family on their estate. What's wrong with these people? A lot. And there he gets betrothed to his cousin, and a few years later they marry on his own estate, and he gets a whole bunch of skyboats to command as a nobleman, and he's eager for battle, and then he gets shot down on a suicide mission because that makes sense. And he's very sad because he learned that his wife had committed suicide because that's what happens when you lose your loved ones or you get defeated in battle, you do seppuku or something, they have to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. And he's sad about that. And Ryan's like, well, I'm so sorry you lost your wife. If I had known, well, there's nothing I could have done to help you anyway, but I'm still sad <laughs> for you. And he's like, thanks. I count you a true friend. And I'm like, all right, well, great, I guess. Got everybody's friends. And he's like, well, I should just kill myself now because I can't figure out how to at once satisfy my honor to you and my honor to my people. She's like, don't kill yourself because then you can't protect us like you swore to do. And it's kind of like a dick move on Ryan's part. <laughs> just want him to die. Just want him to die. And he's like, fine, I don't know what to do. She's like, just have faith in the pattern. You've had the same <laughs> dreams about dragons we have. Go back tonight. Have more dreams. We'll figure this out. And it's very much the least active anyone's ever been in getting things done. Yeah, it's like super passive. Like, we'll just, we'll just hang out. It'll be fine. It's like a main character in a story realizes they're a main character in the story. It's like, well, I don't have to do anything. Like, Everything will work out for me anyway. So just kick back and enjoy. I'm glad you weren't kidding when I said what happens if they do nothing. <laughs> I wasn't. They literally just do nothing to hope that that things work out for them. I mean, it will. That's That's true. Yep. So Tessa leaves. Then they have another dream together where it's a very urgent dream. It feels like they're they're each having their own dream. So Davio Talon in his dream, talking to a dragon. He's asking the dragon, what do you want from us? Like, well, you called us. Do you want us to come help you? Will you make the bargain to live? And I'll be like, what bargain? What are you talking about? He says, oh, you called us. We call you. And there's not really clear what the bargain is. And Davio says, okay, sure, fine, whatever. Just whatever it takes to save Ryan. I call what? you to Don't us. I summon to you. Don't agree to things in your dreams. <laughs> But he does, and he feels there's some packed mate, and they wake up, and nothing's changed, and they sit around for a while again, and then Ert comes and says, let's go for a walk in the garden again, and Ryan's like really stoked up for this, like, yeah, let's go for a walk in the garden, I think that something's gonna happen, we all made a deal with the dragon, so walking outside shouldn't mean we get saved or something. And they go for a walk in the garden, and Ert tells them, we have until sundown for you to make your choice, or we're gonna drain your brain. It's already been days or weeks or whatever. I can't keep a track, but they give them a lot of leeway. So this should not be a surprise. And they're like, what do we do? How do we get out of this? And then... Now they're thinking about it. <laughs> Tesla comes up and he tries to shoo their... They have some some of the changed sorcerers. The changed mages are watching them because Ert has sort of lost trust because obviously. Mm-hmm. And Tesla comes up and tries to shoo the, the changed guards away. But they don't go, so he murders them. He just takes out a sword and they fight. And Davio and Tezdil manage to kill the changed mages. And it's very sad, apparently. And, and Davio like, feels sickened by it. 
but then they all run away. How come Tez, whatever, uh, on Warrior Guy is not in a cell? I mean, I know that the change and the no, honor, like, because he's given together. back to the te- he's given back to his people, and he's like a, a high class lord. He has a lot of sure, sway. I get that. However, he also has like some issues with like trust things going on with Ruayan, who is in a cell. So how come he isn't like they don't know where his loyalties lie? Why would they let him out of a cell? Because it'd be an affront to the honor. I don't know. It's shaky alliance because Alanin is sort of pushing the on to do things, and she sort of affronts their honor by making demands and questioning Tezel's honor. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I agree. They shouldn't just let them have free reign around the campus to wander around and do things. Yeah, that seems like a terrible idea because obviously he'd have to choose between either Rewayan or the changed if something went down, and he clearly chose Rewayan. Yep, but they don't think about that. So after they kill the guards, Tezel's like, hey, I've stashed some horses across the wall. I can get us uh, as a rope I, I, I set up. their heads. So, <laughs> their, no, we can escape <laughs> over the wall and take the horses. And like, finally, somebody does something. Tezel does something. And the dragons haven't shown up yet. So apparently Ryan was wrong. The dragons aren't coming to save them. Tezel saved them because he's Yay. the only man who has a brain and some initiative. <laughs> apparently. So they run away. They come over the wall and an alarm goes up to chase them. And the skyboats launch, and they start being chased by skyboats, and they're running. The skyboats are chasing them. They hear like a sense to go north. Like there's a voice in the head saying, "Go north." And so they go north, and then finally, 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 a dragon shows up and attacks the skyboat. And the bunt and some dragons come out, and they all attack the skyboats. There's a big skyboat battle where the dragons murder the heck out of the skyboats. Yay, dragons! But also, know. poor changed. <laughs> Not the change, the on this time, because oh, the, the ons on. are in the skyboats. Oh, okay. But still, I kind of still feel bad for the ons, so I feel a little bit bad that they got eaten by dragons. A little bit. I and am excited so, about the dragons, though. <laughs> right. It, it, literally, it, I, I checked 600 and some pages through this book. The dragons that were mentioned on, like, page two finally show up. Yay, dragons! And the dragon lands, and they have a conversation with the dragons, like, get on, I'll take you out of here. And Ryan's like, hey, what's your name first? And you're like, Ryan, this is not the time. Get on the freaking dragon and get out of here. And she's okay, so this is a great little exchange because it's too stupid. So Ryan is like, who are you? I have a name before I get with you. And the dragon laughs and is like, I am your hope, the answer to your prayers? Surely the calling of your dreams. Come now or stay and die here, all of you. That sounds like a dragon answer. It does. And then Ryan's like, no, I still want to have your name. <laughs> And the dragon says, fine, I am Belek. Now come with me. And they're all, they all, and that's it. That's the end of the chapter. They all get on the dragon, presumably, and that's when the section ends. Do we get to find out, maybe you don't know yet, um, or don't remember, why the dragons are helping them out? Uh, maybe. I, at this point, I don't know. I don't know why the haunted woods from chapter like three are so important right now in their dreams. Like they're constantly dreaming about the, the haunted woods. I don't know why the dragons are helping them. The dragons seem very sentient. Well, I figured that out. Yeah. So I don't like know earlier, why. I assumed. Like, earlier, you know, centuries ago, there was all this like st- we couldn't like come to an accord or an agreement with the dragons. It seems weird that they because he's t- technically the dragons helping out people from Darbak, right? Yep. Yep. Well, so, so here's that- the thing. Actually, this is this is interesting. Davio asks Ryan, why the four of us? Why Ert and me and you and Tezdo? Why are we the ones being chosen for this destiny? And Ryan's like, well, maybe because we're the four that want peace. 
Like we see this war as not a good thing. And you know, I represent one, we actually represent our people in different ways. You represent the memory of our people, the story men. I represent the magic of our people. Ert represents the change and Tesla represents the Sky Lords. Mm-hmm. And then Davos like, well, why not the On Wizards or the magic change? Why aren't they represented? And she's like, well, maybe they're too far gone in hatred of this war to be considered reasonable for this quest or this or this calling. And that's a weak justification. But I'm willing to go with that, Shared. That actually makes more sense than many things in the story. At least it's explained. Yeah. So so she said, we all represent like, you know, like the, like the Captain Planet of this world of, you know, <laughs> I represent the Dar, the mages. <laughs> so that's the end of the section. The dragons show up finally 80% of the way through the book to fight off some skyboats. And that's it. Then, and then we're on to part four, Lords of the Sky. Lords of the Sky, finally. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Not the Sky Lords, Danielle, the Lords of the Sky. I know, difference. Oh, Good job. I'm proud of you. That was a big chapter. The plot actually happened in the, I feel like, again, the first half of this book could pretty much be cut down to a couple of chapters. Yeah, that was the most interesting part so far, because stuff happened that wasn't just wandering around to keeps or schools. I'm excited to see what happens with the dragons. Yes, I know. I feel like the book finally got really interesting here. Like, if the book had started with Tezdil the warrior training to go on to war, and then Davi the storyman learning the the sad history of his people, and Earth the poor slave learning to become a, a leader, and they all come together and unite with the dragons to save their world. And Rewyan, don't forget Rewyan. Oh, okay. Rewyan the mage, you know, learning magic and how to channel that. Why is she blind in the story? Because... It just seems to have, like, no actual bearing at all on the plot. It doesn't. I mean, she can use her Which magic to see, so it's not like she's blind at all. Except for when they have the necklace on her when she was really blind, but then David just described everything to her anyway, so... Yeah, like, they chose... When they take away... That's why, that's why I was curious. They take away her power. That When they take away her power and they put the necklace on, then she is no longer, no longer can see with her magic, but that doesn't seem to affect the plot at all. It doesn't. It's not at all... Nothing's done with that. Maybe something will happen with that in the future, but this book has its last little oomph to go through before we know if any of the setup, if any of the massive amounts of setup will pay off. Yeah. If the force, the haunted forest comes back, if the blindness matters. It if, just, like, he mentions it quite a bit, it seems like, but never actually becomes any kind of plot point. I think, again, this is kind of like his world building, where he's like, I have this really cool notion of a world, I want to describe it to you in great detail. Oh, wouldn't it be really cool if there's, like, Blind people, a blind mage, but she could see with her her magic. Yeah, but they never describe how the magic lets her see. Which no, it's just a really, like see. I think he's just very infatuated with that notion of like, oh, this is a really cool use of magic no one's ever thought of before to help people who have lost their senses see. Right, because then it would make sense if they if he was describing how the magic helped her see. Then I think that would be a more interesting yeah character development. I guess yeah. Like I feel like it's almost exactly opposite of what I would do. I agree, but. And Nobody that's asked. kind of amazing. <laughs> that's that's almost exactly like, to the letter, almost exactly opposite of how I would want to divide up the time I would spend in a story with who and and with what. And that's kind of amazing. I kind of love that. That's the exact opposite. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the fun things about reading stories, right? Is that it's yeah. different than how you would do it. And it's true. And I'm not saying I could do any better. I probably could not. But <laughs> it's still interesting to think about. Anyway, if you have an idea about why the crystals make the change insane, but they don't know about it. Or the difference between wizards and mages. Oh, yeah, the difference between wizards and mages. You can explain that. Absolutely. Please write in. You can contact us at bookretorts.com. 
So, next time, finally, the conclusion of Lords of the Sky, part four, Lords of the Sky. So excited. (laughs) Until then, bye. Bye, everybody. planet he's our hero okay we're gonna copyright it's like if we get that (laughs)